Uh, welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Colin uh, for our new show, Unruly, with Ryan and Rob. This is your co-host, Ryan Knight, and I'm excited to be joined by our other co-host, Rob Bermudez. How's everyone doing today? And uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, please help me welcome uh, Josana Vaz. Josana is an activist and member with the Revolutionary Blackout Network. Uh, Josana, welcome to Unruly. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you so much, Rob. For having me, I'm excited for having these conversations with you. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with all of you in this room. I'm excited. Likewise. Uh, and we wanted to have this conversation tonight uh, because uh, our government is starting to spend uh, a lot more money on war uh, and neglect a lot of the problems that are happening on the home front. Um, and look, I just, just to kind of lay things out, we're experiencing a cost of living crisis, uh, in this country as more than half of Americans are struggling to afford basic necessities like housing, healthcare, and groceries. And instead of doing anything about it, Joe Biden and the Democrat, uh, controlled government are sending troops to Somalia and sending $40 billion to Ukraine to fund a proxy war with Russia. So rather than turn inward and help our own people who are being crushed uh, under the weight of our decrepit capitalist system, Biden and the government are turning outward and, and flexing the power of U.S. imperialism to crush poor and working class people abroad. Uh, we'll drill down a little bit more on, on the specifics of, the, of Ukraine and Somalia. But first, shortly, Joslana, I just want to get your reaction to the way Biden and the Democrats are governing uh, and expanding the wars abroad while neglecting our problems here at home. Well, this is um, from the perspective of somebody that is also in the backyard of imperialism and been receiving the foreign policy from the U.S. since I was born, right? Um, I think there's a different way to see, like, I've, I'm here sitting with you and talking about Somalia, and of course I had to resource to my teachers that are from the continent of Africa, are from Somalia, because... What happens in South America is that we receive the foreign policy towards what the U.S. considers its backyard. So they change governments, they sabotage governments, they take over lands with corporations, right? But then in Africa, these are people that go in there and they do that, se that settlement model that they had here in northern of America. And they seat their rules and their ways to govern in the middle of people's nations, um, and they impose that model, causing division amongst its own people in that region, right? Like, mm. as you can see in the history of Somalia, the conflicts were also internal conflicts amongst clans and electing leaders. And this is like, it's so cruel because like, it's the same thing with sanctions, right? When you like when the U.S. left Afgan Afghanistan and they were like, oh, we are so nice. We are peaceful. Here's Biden, the hero of all times that's coming to save the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Because it's always like that. It's always Hollywood style. It's never going to not going to be Hollywood style. Yeah, uh, they, sell, they sell the narrative like a Hollywood film, but it's really a living nightmare for the people who have to live, you know, under the repression of, of the U.S. empire. Yeah, yeah. In the perspective of what they show to their own people, to the people from the United States, is like, oh, we are saving. Let's go and liberate that country. <laughs> and for the people that are living in this place, it's like, oh, my God, the evil Asians are coming. Save <laughs> us, right? It's like, yeah. 
Sorry, I I I, I make metaphors like that because like No, that's why I, we wanted to talk for for people who don't know, you're from the global south, you're from Brazil. You've been living in, in our country for almost a decade, but you have a very interesting uh, and, and very um uh, a perspective that is much needed uh, for this analysis because so often, you know, when it comes to foreign policy, the people who are talk who are talking about foreign policy aren't the ones who've had to live it and and live under the repression of the U.S. empire. Yeah, and you can tie um, like with imperialism and and I'm gonna say that word like like in white supremacy because like it starts early on in Africa with Europe just going there and colonizing the whole continent and separating and pushing conflicts to conquer territories based on their interests. And and it's a never ending kind of kind of model because like the place that the European chose to settle in the Americas was the North, right? Is what they call the United States, right? But you can see that that model is applied here too. Like the people are extremely divided. There's no sense of community. And it's very rare when you have that. The, like the whole of the, the, the citizens in this, country is, in this country are overworked, trauma. I'm talking citizens, I'm saying working class. Of course, I'm never referring to billionaires. I don't care how billionaires are doing psychologically. I think they should be in a nightmare every day, 24-7. Um, but we know that's not, not true. But like the, the people of this country are extremely traumatized, overworked, made to work, psychologically tortured into accepting its policies. But for some reason, it's easy. If it's, it, there is, I'm trying to discover this little curve, like how this is imposed and accepted because in countries like Somalia, in countries like um, Cameroon, imperialism and colonial, uh, colonialism generates resistance, generates resistance. And, and we fight back because that's, that radicalizes you to see that you are being tortured, you are being, there is a behavior and a way to live that is being imposed on you. That radicalizes a person and that's why we fight back. Right. Well, I mean, if, if someone comes and invades your country and steals your oil and steals your resources and leaves a bunch of devastation and division uh, in the process, of course, that's going to cause people to want to fight back. I mean, and that's what I find. So, you know, once you finally wake up and see what our country is doing, you know, and that, you know, for instance, the Somalia conflict, which we'll get to in a little bit, you know, the re it's always a counter a, a, a counter terrorism is 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 the way the the State Department and the way the president and the way the the U.S. military sells these wars and sells these conflicts that we're going to fight terrorism, but really we're we're going to cause terror and we're going in the case of Somalia uh, they have uh, an oil reserve that is very profitable that the United States wants and um and and so that's really what drives drives these conflicts is is the empire wants to go hoard more resources but before we, we have a whole section on Somalia. I want to start with Ukraine um, uh, because there's something I think is really important that the, the, the mainstream media is not covering at all. So I want to be very clear about this. This new uh, package that every Democrat 
in the House and Senate voted for overwhelmingly. The only people, there was like a handful of Republicans who didn't vote for this. And we all know, look, they, they did this. I, I'm not going to sit here and defend Republicans uh, being an anti-war party because they have a long history of imperialism. I think a lot of them voted for this, voted against this just to kind of, you know, play politics and say, look, we voted against doing this. But they just sent $40 billion of weapons to Ukraine. And this is not going to end the war with Russia. This will not bring peace or democracy. The only thing this is going to do is escalate the war and line the pockets of the U.S. weapons manufacturers. Biden and the Democrats should be calling for peace negotiation, peace negotiations every single day, not prolonging the war by sending weapons to a war zone. But let's, let's remember something here. Peace doesn't line the pockets of the U.S. weapons manufacturers, which is the only thing these warmongering Democrats care about. So the way that I see it, when it comes to Democrats and Republicans continuing to push for these endless wars while neglecting our problems uh, at home, is that it's all about the money. Right? There's more profit in funding these wars and exploiting other countries' resources and killing people abroad than helping our own people at home. And more Americans of all political affiliations should be outraged that they continue to turn a blind eye to the fact that the United States has over 800 bases in 80 countries and has spent the past half century waging wars, violent coups, and interventions that have made the world less safe and our own country less safe because, while well, we've been spending all this money on our military – uh, our, our, our infrastructure is crumbling. Uh, our schools are run down. Our healthcare system has been, uh, privatized and, and we have no public healthcare system. I mean, that's what's happening. We have, we have, a, 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 an entire war industry that props up the oligarchs and that enriches the weapons manufacturers and enriches the billionaires and millionaires who have their stocks invested in war and invested in these weapons manufacturers while all the rest of us here in America are suffering and then the people abroad who have to deal with these, this, uh, with the, with their countries being invaded, like you said so eloquently, Josanna, they're the ones who bear the brunt of this imperialism. So, and I think that is what is probably the great paradox of our time that so many liberals and conservatives think that the U.S. is bringing democracy to the world when we haven't even brought anything that resembles a democracy to our own shores. The United States brings capitalism, militarism, and oligarchy to the world and then slaps the label democracy on it. Josana, as someone who is from the global south and, like I alluded to earlier, has felt the impacts of U.S. imperialism personally, what is your reaction when you see Americans turning a blind eye to the violence that U.S. imperialism inflicts on the world? And how in the hell do so many Americans still believe that we live in a democracy when we are a warmongering oligarchy? Look, Ryan, I, I really wish I had that answer because that's that's exactly what I'm, I'm searching for. Um my reaction is to be very angry. I am a very angry person. <laughs> um, I and and also it's just like that's the, the the question that I ended like. How can you not be radicalized against the policies that the government is implying on you? Like the torture, the sanctions, the 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 fear that the U.S imposes in other territories around the world i am seeing with my own eyes by living here that this is how they also treat their own citizens Mm. but now that's not an excuse for not acting right that's not an excuse for not acting it makes me more curious because in the global south 
that radicalizes us. That behavior makes me want to defend myself and my community. Here in the U.S., it's okay if I can have a, par- a piece of the pie. If I can have a little piece of the pie, I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to work myself to death. And I am going maybe have my family paying a mortgage forever and not being able to pay it completely. There is no agency of the government to control the, the interest that banks impose in loans and, 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 and insurance companies are like the worst sharks. Like they, they yep. are supposed to protect like for health, for the people, and they are the biggest sharks. So like you have no control whatsoever on, on, on the interest that are imposed. You have history being added time by time. Like I was r- vaguely watching a video of a OBGYN uh, being um, interrogated by some Republican man. And he was like, what if the baby is half born outside of the vagina? And then the mother decides, decides to abort it. Like, seriously are you like she looked at him she was like are you seriously asking me that question and he was like oh answer it was like, and, and that's the people that are in the in the government in the u.s as a totality they are the ones that control because there's no difference like it's 2022 we've been through the pandemic we've been through the quote-unquote civil rights movements of 2020 we've seen it Black people are still dying. People are still miserable. The working class has no resources. Right. So we cannot look at the Republicans and the Democrats and think they are any different from each other. That's right. As someone from the global South, you know, I I think we in America and even American left, they tend to idealize this, oh, the Nordic model, oh, the socialism that works in Europe. But there have been socialist governments and revolutions that have been successful throughout the global South, specifically in Latin America. Uh, What do you think are some key lessons that can be learned from uh, Americans right now who are are trying to find the best way to to break free of capitalism and, and to find a way towards socialism or communism, what are some key lessons that can be learned through different revolutions or different practices that have happened in the global South? Get the word communism. Take the ism out of it because otherwise it's a code. And add it. Community. Community. That's what you need. That's I the like answer that. for the change that the American people, that they need. They need. When I say that the foreign policies are being applied in the USA is that all I see is division, you know? So I'm going to make an example. If we are in community, the three of us here, we live in a community and we know that somebody is coming for Rob. That person is not coming for Rob. That person is coming for the three of us. That's right. So they're going to get weaker because they are coming for three of us. The reason why the imperialist white supremacist model spreads division is that that's how they can control. Because otherwise, it's going to happen to them what happened with the helicopters in Somalia, and we're going to get there. But because they are coming for a community. So the American people need to see each other as community. And of course, you have to consider intersectionalities and you have to be able to get out of yourself or your own privilege and be like, is this really a privilege to be suffering 
just because I suffer a little bit less than that other black person there? So you have to ask yourself questions and not being, able, not being afraid to look into yourself. And I know that this conversation is not, I heard before, this is not scientific. It is, it is. Because I cannot bring change, change to the to total if I don't, do not do that in myself. Like, I have to wash away the roots of capitalism. I have to wash away the roots of white supremacy from inside my own veins. Because otherwise you're going to have a majority of gusanos, people that like <laughs> flat the revolution, like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. Let me run away. Like you, you won't understand that the collective being stronger makes the individual strong too. Right. Well, I love what you said about drop the ism and just say community, because right now in America and in every Western civilization, uh, the primary organizing uh, principle or, or the way that, that society is, is structured is all around money, right? And so, of course, big money uh, and the people who hoard all of the wealth and all of the capital are the ones who control our society. And, you know, when I had my political awakening three years ago, four years ago now, I, I it really just dawned on me that, like, why should a few rich executives in a boardroom that are so disconnected uh, from uh, the lived experiences of the communities that they're making decisions for. Because when CEOs of these wealthy corporations, when these board members are making decisions about where to put a plant, about uh, you know shipping jobs overseas, uh, you know about all these decisions they make, they they don't just impact the bottom line of that corporation; they impact the entire community. But corporations, because of laws that have been written by both capitalist parties that control us, uh, the laws are written to uh, favor these corporations. So they've basically just legalized greed and they've legalized corruption and they've basically legalized uh, these corporations to be able to do whatever they want, you know, uh, pollute and uh, ship jobs overseas. If they can make the iPhone uh, in China for 25 cents an hour, they'll do it. You know, I always think, could you imagine if they instead would have made the iPhone in Detroit and, and you could pay people in Detroit, you know, $15 an hour to make it? It would have completely revitalized Detroit. Instead, Detroit is a ghost town. You know, so this idea of organizing society around our communities instead of around money and greed is really, I, I think we would all be a lot happier, well, at least 95% of us. Uh, but, you know, again, they divide us uh, and they scare us away from essentially what what the solution is, which is a society that is, that is not run by greed. And then, of course, you add in the environmental component and it's like, you know, we're running out of time to really save this planet. And so for me, it's just a no brainer that our society, that, that the people in our in our societies and in our communities should be making the decisions. The working class should not these rich oligarchs who just don't care about anyone except themselves. Look, it's, I think it's, 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 a, it's a knowing like that because of the individualist, individualism model of culture that is imposed in the U.S., people um, have more difficulty in developing empathy. And when you have no empathy, you cannot develop also sense of community because then I have to look at my neighbor and be able to feel their pain and not be okay in my privilege. Because what happens is I see the homeless man and then I come home and I have a roof and I go like, thank you, Jesus. I have a roof 
That guy in the street doesn't have. I'm going to lie down here and be numb because it's easier. But instead, seeing the homeless person in in the street should bother me and me not being able to sleep because as a working class person, don't you pay? Don't we all pay enough taxes for these kind of social problems be fixed? And then you have to expand the sense of community and be But why do we need to invade other nations? Because other nations are composed by humans just like me. So if you throw a bomb on their roofs, then you're throwing a bomb on my roof too. Right. Sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, I I completely agree that the the sense of community, especially in the United States, there is just so much individualism pushed down our throats. And you always get told you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and it's, it's very much a culture of step on someone's throat to get to the top of the mountain. But mm-hmm. in, a, in a time like now where so many people are seeing their finances just so stretched thin, they can't afford housing, they can't afford health care, they can't get the baby formula they need. How can we as, as leftists, as organizers, as socialists, communists, all this, how can we use this situation to really start establishing a sense of community because i i agree that we need community in this country i just it feels like there's this mentality that's permeated so deeply in people's minds that it's it's hard to change and does it take a, a something even bigger than the hardships of now is it going to take something even bigger to kind of bring us all together and realize that like oh no we're all in this fight together well I don't know, Rob, because like I've seen so many things that happen here and I'll be like, shit, I'm sorry, I cursed. Um, no, you can, say, you can say shit on this program. You can say whatever you want, Josana. There is no, yeah, you can swear. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, I swear too. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Sometimes I look and I'm like, shit, this wouldn't fly anywhere else. And it mm. just flies here, right? The government yeah. is doing like is mirroring on our faces, and we're like, uh huh. And 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 I I I think, but the answer for your question, Rob, it's not me. It's not I don't have the answer. But the Black Panther Party had that answer long time ago. It's education, mutual aid, mutual aid, and education, and it's not mutual aid double checking and asking and double guessing is mutual aid and education is moving towards your community and it, your community we all love twitter we together there that's good we use it we use the platform to show the what, what's going on but also we need to knock on doors we need to ask our neighbor or our roommate if they had something to eat because maybe sometimes they are unemployed or they are not getting paid properly and they will need support. And from there, you start a conversation. But it's always mutual aid and education. There is a, a Brazilian composer. His name is Chic Science. He had a band called Chic Science and Ação Zumbi. And one of his verses is, um, With my belly full, I started to think that me, myself, organizing... I can disorganize the power. I made an awful translation because I'm translating directly just now, but that's pretty much it. I have my belly full of food. I have conversations. I start becoming dangerous because then I start questioning my reality. And critical thinking is the root to propagandize our brains. Sorry for the English. 
No. I, one thing that you, you just said that, that you really hit the, hit the nail on the head is that the, the shit that, that happens in this country, it would never fly in other countries. And just to, just even to compare it to, uh, you know, capitalist countries in, in Europe, like France, for instance. I mean, the people, everyone in France was, there was just major protests a few weeks ago. And it's because the, the government, uh, tried to pass legislation, uh, where, uh, the media was not gonna, uh, that was going to shield uh, people from finding out about uh, police brutality uh, and, and that, that like th- that things were going to kind of happen behind the scenes. And people are like, no, we want 100% transparency. And literally the next day, there was thousands of people in the street uh, because the government was was trying to you know do things behind closed doors that were not in the best interests of the people in France and and for black and brown people in France. So just to give you an idea, uh, and you see it also in South American countries uh, where you know people are out in the streets protesting uh, and fighting back against the ruling class in their country and fighting back against their government when the government is, is abusing them. And then you have our country, and it's like our government gets away with anything, and these parties get away with literally anything and they just blame the other side and then you have you know squabbles online and democrats fighting with republicans and conservatives fighting with liberals and i'm over here like you guys literally don't understand that like you're the same thing you're two sides of the same coin like you both support capitalist and imperialist parties that that use our government to enrich themselves and enrich their corporate donors like there is not there's basically nothing that separates the, the Democrat and Republican parties. The only thing that separates them is the rhetoric. The, the policies are the same, and the policies enrich big business and, and the billionaire class and, and the rich. But the rhetoric, and this is where the Democrats can be more dangerous than Republicans. Yes, I said it. The Democrats can be more dangerous than Republicans because the Democrats love to use rhetoric that – that sounds good and that sedates the people. It, Barack Obama was a master of this where he would, you know, he sedated the public with hope and change while he was governing for Wall Street and giant corporations, right? And selling the people out. So that's really the only difference is the rhetoric. The Democrats use, you know, eloquent rhetoric and nice, they say nice words and use lots of platitudes, but they have the same policies that, that benefit the rich. And so that's kind of brought us to where we are. I, I want to uh, continue talking about uh, uh, the imperialism, though, and how Biden is expanding the wars. Because just this week, Biden is uh, something actually he's go, he's reverting back, obviously, on his big campaign po- promise, which was that he was going to end all of the wars. Uh, and Trump actually pulled all of our troops out of Somalia. And now Biden is putting troops back into Somalia. And now listen, I did not vote for Trump. I will never vote for Trump. I've actually never voted for a Republican. Uh, I get accused of it all the time by liberals because liberals can't even imagine. They're such binary thinkers that like, oh, if you don't support the Democrats, you must be a support the Republicans. I'm like, no, actually, I, up until uh, the 2020 election, I voted Democrat my entire life for 18 years. Um, but anyways, I digress. Uh, but well, this is just to show you how bad the Democrats are right now, that they're bigger warmongers than even Trump was. So Biden is is reinvading uh, Somalia. And and here's I did a little research. And like always, it's not for humanitarian reasons. It's for oil and imperialism reasons. Somalia has an untapped oil uh, reserve just offshore 
that's estimated to have over 110 million barrels of oil. And a few months ago, Somalia signed an agreement for the exploration of this oil reserve with a U.S. company, but then decided, which was well within its rights, to veto this agreement shortly thereafter. So the U.S. invasion is not about counterterrorism, as Biden claims. It's about exploiting the natural resources of Somalia. So I'm over here, Josana and Rob, I'm over here wondering, like, where is the outrage from Democrats and their and their liberal base? Because they are proudly standing with Ukraine and even with the neo-Nazi Ostov battalion in Ukraine. But they won't stand with the Somali people who are about to have U.S. troops bombard their country and steal their oil. Like, this is shameful. What do you make of Democrats proudly defending Ukraine while not caring about Somalia at all, Josana? Well, I feel like it's 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 like it's funny to see how Biden is last weekend making um, like Biden team tweeting about white supremacy shall not shall not pass in this government and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> while invading, like announcing the invasion of, an, of a nation in Africa. Right. I mean, which is white supremacy. <laughs> who are you trying to fool my nigga? Like, it's not like it's it's impossible that you were saying that and you were acting completely different on our faces and that we are going to continue to buy that these guys are the heroes. Right. Like what they doing to Somalia, like with the untapped source of oil is the same they did in Brazil, but because Brazil is backyard, so they just do a coup d'etat. Mm. Right. Like it happened in 2013 and, 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 and it will repeat itself. And then there is this, this, this constant fight because that radicalizes us. So expect us to respond. And one mm. of the things that we are doing, and, and I always urge you, like, like, support, subscribe to channels and, and, and teachers from the Global South. Because the reason why they are coming up here to talk to y'all is first, because they know how to use the weapon social media is. And second, they want to teach you what to have in your own skin the treatment we had and we still have, but still be strong enough to fight back, how to mm. radicalize yourself. And this is what the people in America have to do. Like, I, I, I'm sorry by saying America, people in the U.S. have to do. They have to understand that we need to radicalize all the way. It's all the way. There's no compromise anymore. The compromise is what we're getting right now. The compromise right at, right after the civil rights movement is what we're getting right now. Yeah, I, I so let's take our next call. We have a caller. Let's let's get a caller in, and then Rob, you can respond. Uh, Sean, do you want to come in? Let's see, uh, Sean. I see you in the caller queue, and it's not letting me let you in. I'm trying my best here. Rob, are you able to let Sean in? No, I'm not. Can you still hear me? Yes, I can okay, hear you. Perfect. My call-in app seems to be a little funky. I can't see how many people are listening. I can't see anything right now. Oh, I um, see. We had a caller and the queue. Sean, are you still there? I'm trying. To, I. It's. Well, that stinks. It's not letting me add him. Okay, go ahead, Rob. Respond to that. Well, I was and just going to say, you know, the the term imperialism gets used a lot. So, Josana, I'd love to hear what's your definition of imperialism and also, like, if someone wants to be an anti-imperialist, what are the kind of criteria? What are the, the minimum requirements, um, in your opinion at least, 
to, to having one consider themselves an anti-imperialist and those who are within the imperial core who do want to help, who do want to push back against American imperialism, what steps can they take from within their own borders to, to stop this country that just has such a ridiculous reach, unfortunately, because of, of financial coercion and, and our military strength. So what, what's kind of just the everyday American or United States American, what, what can they do to, to really push back against imperialism? Well, the former question is like, what is imperialism to me? Um, let's say we start talking and I go to your house and in a week that we start talking. And when I knock on your door, I have all my backpacks and furniture with me. And before you can answer, I go inside and I change the whole house and I sit there and I start saying, that's how we're going to live now. That's what we're going to eat. And you are the one that's going to cook, clean and, and provide. So that's what imperialism is to me, is the invasion of territory and imposition of one's culture. And sometimes not only, not, not even that, because then you're going to go to neocolonialisms where they settle, right? But also the, ins <laughs> yeah, this is enslaving one's nation and absorbing their natural resources, just like Portugal did to Brazil. Right? They went to Pindorama, they quote-unquote discovered it, they wiped out the country out of any natural resources, um, gems and, 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 and rocks and, and gold and everything they could. And then they left and they were like, yeah, you guys can be independent. Good luck building an economy. So it's, made, it's destroying one's sovereignty and that's what the U.S. has been doing over and over again to the global south. And to become an anti-imperialist, well, the reason why I am that, like, I, I feel like here in the U.S. you have to have, like, a resume to say that you are an activist, right? I don't believe that. That's BS. That is um, bullshit. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, like you go places and they're like, what's your organization? What's it like? And I was like, yo, congratulations on your gatekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> right? Cause like that, we're going to do nothing. Well, you just described every quote unquote, so-called progressive organization that, you know, says you have to have a resume to be an activist and all their activism is and organizing is, is literally just funding, funneling more people deeper into the DNC, deeper into a party that is owned uh, by Wall Street, and that is getting us into all these endless wars, and and literally uh, the ones who are stopping us from having the progress we so desperately need. I mean, I don't think there's any other political institution in this country that is more efficient and effective at 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 stopping, co-opting, and destroying grassroots movements than the Democratic Party. They did it to Bernie in 2016. They did it to him again in 2020. They will any that is literally the job of the Democratic Party. When you finally wake up and see them for what they are. They their job is to get is to silence dissent. Their job is to get people to obey this decrepit capitalist system and anyone who tries to fight for something better, anyone who tries to organize outside the Democratic Party, they will tarnish your name, they will attack you. They will, you know, someone like Jill Stein, who we had on last week, they will take her to court. They will accuse her of treason, all for just giving people 
a, a different choice on the ballot. You know, I find it so ironic they accuse Republicans of voter suppression every day. Well, the Democrats are engaging in voter suppression as well by denying people of the right to voter choice. Because it is not a real choice when you, when you go to the ballot and vote if your two choices are two parties that serve Wall Street and two parties that serve the military industrial complex and two parties that, that serve uh, the billionaire class. That is not a democracy. That is why we live in an oligarchy because both parties that, uh, control our government have been captured, uh, by, uh, the ruling class. And they have been this way for over, uh, forever. I mean, since this country was founded this way. Uh, so, you know, I just, I, I, I just, it, I was duped by the party for 18 years, so I'm very passionate about this issue. But sorry, when you said that, you know, the gatekeeping and you have to have a resume to be an activist, it just that that's what the Democrats do. They they, they find a way to co-opt and get people back into the duopoly so nothing changes, so they can keep enriching themselves and their donors and then sell this narrative to the public like they're the good guys and we're scaring you from the big, bad, evil Republicans. Like, when do people just step back and look that like, no, like they're not saving us from the Republicans. They're collaborating with the Republicans. Every single piece of legislation in this country that happens in Washington, D.C., that benefits corporations like the CARES Act, like the Affordable Care Act, which I like to call the Unaffordable Care Act. That was, you know, that's agreed on by both parties. Both parties write laws that help their rich donors. And so this idea that they're saving us from the evil Republicans, no, they're collaborating with them and then trying to paint themselves as the good guys. It, it just... It sickens me. Um, there's Sean. I see him. He's now the, the app is working again. Let's let's get Sean on, online here. Sean, you're you're in. Go ahead. Thanks, thanks. I was definitely having a problem with the app. I appreciate you guys having the show. Definitely, we appreciate you for being here. So, I think uh, people in this country have such a perverted sense of freedom and a fear of freedom. And um, liberals, they, in their self-righteousness, don't realize how racist they are. Like, they think, a lot of them think that their bombs are going to save the barbarians in in the Middle East and Africa. And uh, it's just born out of a total ignorance of any other Mm. culture. And it's, it's pretty disgusting. And just Americans in general have a perverted sense of freedom in, in an economic sense, like the freedom to consume these products that are, are killing them in a lot of senses. Mm. Um, yep. You know, they, they think that they're, they think that they own their house if they have a 30 year mortgage on it. They think they own their car if they have a car note. Um, they think they own their business if it's on a line of credit. And in, in reality, most of the things that they think they own, the banks really own it. And That is correct. The uh, bank owns it. You are absolutely correct. And, uh, you know, people, we, we need to figure out ways to get people to start thinking critically about this stuff. Because a lot of Americans, if you ask them, you know, it's the home of the free land of the brave or whatever, you know, political slogans they have. Uh, but but they're fucking miserable. Like, they have no yeah. control of their lives. They're living in poverty. They're afraid to go to the doctor. Where, where's the freedom? I, I miss that. Yeah. Freedom to, yeah. to get yourself tied up in credit card debt that'll make you get bankrupt. Or freedom to, to try to 
work 80 hours a week to be able to afford the rent that you then can't enjoy because you never hit your house or the freedom the it's this illusion of freedom that people need to understand is like everything comes with a cost and when they think oh at least we have 30 different choices for chips in the grocery store unlike in communism you only get one flavor of chip it, it, it always kind of makes me wonder like what what is your definition of freedom because just having more choices to choose from if they're not really accessible or the cost is so high is that freedom because it seems like it's it's financial entrapment to me well i would argue too that like are we even free like i would say that that americans were propagandized since birth really to believe that we're the land of the free and to believe that we're free but i would argue that we are not free, that we're living under corporate rule and we're living under, you know, oligarchic rule. And, you know, we, everything in our life is like you eloquently pointed out, like the bank owns your, owns your house, the bank owns your car, you know, you, our lives are controlled by these, by these giant corporations and the two parties uh, who, uh, who the giant corporations both fund. And so, yeah, I would, I would simply push back at people and say, no, we're not free. Like we are living under corporate and, and capitalist rule. And, uh, the only people who are free are, the, are, the, are essentially are the rulers are the ones up top. But in, it, you know, you can take that further and say, are you really free if you're exploiting this many people to get your freedom? <clears throat> and for me, that's where liberation comes in. Cause to be liberated means that your life that your freedom doesn't depend on exploiting anyone else, that you are truly free. And that's when we get back into what Josana was talking about with community. Uh, and there's, there's a freedom and everyone being free together. Uh, Josana, go ahead. No, it's also the fact I have to bring Paulo Freire in and talk about, I'm sorry, and talk about the pedagogy of the oppressed, right? Paulo Freire is the responsible for, sorry, Paulo, no, go ahead. Paulo, you're, you're on. Paulo, you're good. Paulo Freire is the responsible for the educational system we have in place in Brazil. And it's almost indestructible. I hope this is a word. Um, it's like governments have been tried to change it and, and they could never. And like it's based on liberation, right? It's mm. based on critical thinking. That's the answer for liberation. Because, Ryan, the only way you could get to this point you are right now in your thoughts, in your way to see things, is because you criticized your own reality. Correct. You observed and you had, you had a critique of it. Therefore, you set yourself free from the liberal model of believing Democrats to even be left. Right? Yep. So you're able to criticize and then you lose the, the figure of the hero. In the U.S., <clears throat> we are, I'm so sorry, we are propagandized, we are propagandized into believing in the enemy and the hero and the savior. And this is white Christianity, because you believe the devil, that is the, the evil response for all bad acts you are taking. And then you also believe the savior, savior for all sins, which is Jesus that will come blonde and blue-eyed and make fish. <laughs> like that idea per se is into people's head in the U.S. And I'm not telling you drop your religion and become an atheist. Who am I to tell you how to live your life? I'm just saying binary models are created for a reason and it's division. Yeah. Well, I also think that you're hitting the nail on the head with this whole savior thing, because I think, 
you know, we live in a society that absolutely like we put people on pedestals, whether it's our politicians or celebrities or billionaires, um, you know, from AOC to Elon Musk to, you know, Trump to Biden. I mean, we, we put people in. But I think when when people are looking to saviors, it's 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 all rooted in fear. Right. Because if you're looking for someone else to save you, you're not going to do the work that's required to save yourself. And so I think it just, again, it, it goes back to that individualism versus collectivism, where if you want to, you know, our society, like Rob said so eloquently, is based on individualism, where we, we, we are disconnected from our communities, we're disconnected from each other, it's, I got to go get mine, I got to, you know, I got to get up to the hill faster than everyone else, I got to make more money than everybody else. You know, those are the things that push, that we teach our children, that that's what success looks like. And, and so meanwhile, people are, are running around trying to out-compete each other instead of working together, instead of learning from each other, instead of understanding each other. Um, we're constantly you know, trying to outdo each other and, and fight against each other. And then when things aren't going right, it's like, oh, nope, we never want to criticize the, 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 the model, right? We never want to criticize the system, capitalism, that our country is organized around. We, we instead are, oh, someone's going to save us, you know, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden or on the right, it's Donald Trump. And, and that whole savior complex just prevents people from going deeper, like you said, and actually critiquing and understanding, no, it's the system that's the problem and that we need to build our communities and we need to, to, to instead of fighting against each other, we need to come together and work with each other. Other. And, and I think that's that savior complex just feeds people's neuroses. It feeds their fear and it prevents them from like getting outside of the box or thinking outside of the box, I should say, and wanting to, to try to build something better, something where we are, are all free and we're all connected like we, like we are. Just kind of realizing at our core what we are. That's all we have to do is just kind of get rid of all the fear, get rid of all that. And see at our core what 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 is our purpose for being here? What is the purpose of humanity? Is it to make more money than everyone, or is it to actually connect and, and to find some deeper purpose and meaning here? Is the is is the Eurocentric religious model of thinking right? Because like if what if thirty years from now a group of people created and a group of people that are in government that has power created a church so you could adore Che Guevara like he's Jesus himself. And then use Che Guevara's image to say, Che Guevara doesn't like who people that are black. Che Guevara doesn't like people that are like Jesus. Che Guevara doesn't like people that, you know, like, and created division among people and dominated the cultures with these premises. That's what Rome did, right? With the Catholic church. Right. And then the adjacents, I hope that's a word too, the ones that came from the Catholic Church would just repeat the model of domination. You have the Crusades, you have uh, the Jesuitas, which were these monks from the Catholic Church that would go to Brazil into the forest and teach indigenous people in Brazil Catholic religion. So like Christianity, sorry. So like it's 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 a still imperialism. Yeah. And it's applied in here within us. I mean, you guys, Americans, because also the culture is very from the division. So like as a foreigner, I still feel like an outsider because I come from a place where you're like, oops, I have a critique of this right now. What in, on earth is just happening in front of me 
and people will be defensive of that because yeah. uh, that's I'd why love... they want to keep the global south that's why the immigration laws are so harsh and they want to keep us separated from y'all because they may they will be able to profit from american people not knowing not seeing not acting i would love to get your opinion on freedom jazana because living in a different country i've never had the 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 privilege or the luxury of living anywhere outside of the united states what is the the sense of freedom is i know it's it's not comparing um apples and apples necessarily but what are you know when it comes to economic freedoms when it comes to healthcare just the systems that are in place even just in brazil uh compared to what you've what you've seen with your own two eyes here in the united states what are some of the differences and and just kind of explain some of the the contrasting ideologies of what freedom even is to the average person in the united states versus in brazil well the the freedom in brazil i'm going like i can only speak for the short time of democracy we had before after the military government in the 70s and then before bolsonaro was brought into power um reason why i say i it was brought into power is that fascism always rises after uh destabilization right and that's what the us did when sponsored and supported a coup d'etat against Dilma Rousseff they destabilized the economy the country per se and then fascism because people were like feeling like hopeless and and you know and they need something to scream through but Yes, I'm going to be I'm going to give a very simple example, okay? I moved in here in 2013. So I was studying um theater, I'm an artist, I'm an actor as well, so like I I was studying theater on at the neighborhood playhouse. And we had a had a class and we decided to have a beer after class. And I had just bought a beer and they were like, "Oh, sorry, you need to leave because we are closing the restaurant." And I was like, "Sure, sure." Um can I get a plastic cup so I can bring my beer with me because I just paid for it, right? It's just natural so it's a, it's a product that I bought. <laughs> and and they were like, "No, you cannot have a plastic cup. You have to just leave it and go." And I was like, "What what?" And I I was ready to fight because you know, Latin <laughs> I'm going to get my rights. <laughs> and then I was like, "What?" And they were like, "Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. You're not from here. I think they heard my accent. They were like, "You're not from here." So let me explain to you. In the US If you are outside in the streets drinking a beer, the cops are going to arrest you. I mean in, in New York, the cops are going to arrest you. And I was like, "What?" And in my head, that was so so real that I cracked out laughing. I was <laughs> laughing, laughing, laughing aloud because it was like, "Oh, so this is the country of the free and you cannot even have a beer outside?" So right there, It's, I'm sorry. I know it's a very silly example, but you have no freedom. It's a police state. It's a co- police-controlled state, and the concept of freedom here is the concept of consumerism. They tell you that countries like China, people can do nothing, blah, blah, blah. and then they impose on you the fear, and then they like here you free. So buy this car, this sneaker, like buy this expensive clothing buy this expensive house that you're never going to be able to pay for just buy it spend your money because that's freedom that's mm-hmm. a lie 
freedom is within your community. Freedom is within knowing your identity. Freedom is within knowing who you are. And even though we are a very uh, corrupted country, we were robbed, we've been invaded many times in other ways than war, we know who we are as a community. With all the differences and racism, we go through all these things there. Of course we do. Propaganda in the U.S. is for the whole world to watch and absorb. But we also know who we are as community. I usually say that the Brazil, like if colonization was like bringing your culture and, and growing up people from your culture, not your language, Brazil was colonized by Nigeria, the, the Horn of Africa, and the indigenous people that were there because they just mingled in the culture and our culture is very indigenous uh, and African. And that creates the core essence of a Brazilian. And that's the strength of a people. I don't I, know I, if I just feel as No, that was, so that was very well said. That was very well said. I, I want to shift the conversation and uh, talk about the Buffalo shooting because we haven't had a chance on the show to talk about that yet. Um, and more specifically, you kind of brought this up a little bit earlier, Josana, but Biden's response uh, to the white supremacist who murdered 10 black people uh, who were just trying to shop uh, for groceries. Uh, Joe Biden came out uh, two days ago and he said, and I quote, in America, evil will not win, I promise you. Hate will not prevail and white supremacy will not have the last word. Now, Biden came out with this statement as he's literally giving more money to the police and to the military. Instead of investing in housing and healthcare and much needed resources for black, brown, and marginalized communities, uh, his empty uh, rhetoric means nothing, right? Like people's rhetoric, anyone can say, go on TV and say, and give, a, and give a speech, right? We are not what we say, we are what we do. You know, that's what defines us, our actions. That's who we are. And so he uses his rhetoric means nothing. It's his policies. That's what means everything. And Biden's policies uphold the system of white supremacy. Uh, Josana, what do you think of Biden's response to the white supremacist uh, terror attack in Buffalo? And is the hollow rhetoric uh, of Democrats enough? And uh, what needs to be done so that black people in this country can truly be liberated and live without the fear of being murdered while shopping for groceries? Look, I think the the response for Rob's question is similar to this to this last question that you asked, Ryan. Uh, Rob's question about imperialism: how to be anti-imperialist and what has to be made for Black people to be liberated. These are very similar questions because imperialism is about white supremacy, right? Racism is about white supremacy. Race is a social construct. Because somebody said, I look like this, therefore I'm better than everybody else and I am going to dominate. And I think that the response is within, like, I interviewed on Tuesday the guy that's the creator of Candles in the Sun. It's S-U-N. Um, he, his name is Kari. He's working with, within his community and he's building a new era um, Black Panther Party. He's educating He's um, training, he is uh, aiding his community in Buffalo. He's aiding the black community in Buffalo in order to strengthen that individual in knowing that they have the right to exist. But they are, they are hearing that from their elderlies. 
they're hearing that from people that look like them and the people that look like them are educating them to say people that don't look like you will tell you you are less don't listen to that it has to be done education is attacked for a reason education in the u.s like crit critical race theory is edited for a reason the moment i see history and i see the acts of people that came before me to other people that not only makes me develop empathy that makes me not want that to repeat itself right <laughs> so it's simple and and i feel like biden acts to me towards ukraine i'm not going to take away from him being a white supremacist he is he's a segregationist and we all know that but also it's very suspicious that hmm all the time there is tons of billions of dollars to go to go to going towards ukraine that sounds like somebody's being blackmailed into giving me that amount of money if i am ukraine and we know that the laptop from his his kid is the answer for that too Sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, there's there's something. there's billions of dollars for Ukraine, and there's no money for for the people in this country who are struggling. You know, I mean, and and you can you can talk about the laptop, but I also think it's it's again it's it's the U.S. empire trying to flex itself against one of its biggest adversaries, which is Russia, and so it saw an opportunity along with NATO to you know they kept expanding uh, eastward toward literally Russia's border, and Russia felt attacked, much like. The United States felt attacked uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's, they're very similar instances. And so for me, I, I just look at it as, as, as America trying to maintain its dominance over the world and understanding that, that Adam Schiff said this himself, and people should Google this. Adam Schiff said a few years ago in Congress, I think it was 2018 or 2019, that the reason we uh, – because we, this isn't the first time we've given Ukraine money. But the reason we give Ukraine money and we give them aid and we give them javelins is because – we, we get to fight, we get to use them to fight the war against Russia, but we don't have to go do it ourselves. So like literally, he basically described it as what it is, which is it, it is a proxy war. And at its core, both of these parties, the Democrats and Republicans, they don't care. This is not about liberating the Ukrainian people. This is not about setting up a democracy in Ukraine. This is about, this is about fighting back against Russia, about maintaining its global, the United States global dominance over the world and, 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 and keeping its hegemony over the world. And really what it's doing is it's isolating us more and it's, it's bringing Russia and China, China closer and, the fact that we that in the last 30 years, all the manufacturing jobs were shipped to China, some to Mexico, but most to China, it's only going to – what's ended up happening is we're, this is all turning into a sanction against our own people because now we're having to pay more for gas, pay more for groceries, pay more for you know, clothing, et cetera. Uh, and, and that's really what this imperialism is doing is it's crushing people over there. It's, it's not going to end this war, and it's, and it's making things over here cost more money. So – it's lining the pockets of the weapons manufacturers. It's it's lining the pockets of the ruling class and the people who own these big weapons, uh, manu these big weapon makers. But it's not doing anything for for the people. Yet you have liberals that just go along with it and they buy the narrative. And it just blows my mind. Like I've said this before, but within a week they got every liberal in America to change their picture, you know, to a yellow and blue flag. You know, where are the Somali flags? You know, where where are flags of Somalia? Where are flags of Palestine? 
you know, uh, who is the Israeli forces just murdered a journalist, uh, you know, last week. Well, why don't the, the liberals all have uh, flags of, of, of Palestine uh, in their Facebook profile pictures? And again, this is because liberals are they are authoritarian. They take their direction. Whatever the Democrats say, whatever Hillary says, whatever Obama says, whatever Joe Biden says, whatever narrative they feed to the liberals, the liberals don't think <laughs> – they just – they eat it up like soup. Whatever Rachel Maddow tells them, they believe is fact. So literally, I talk to liberals all the time. I talk to friends. They're like, oh, Ryan, don't you understand? We're trying to set up a democracy over there like we have here. And I'm like, uh, we don't have a democracy in the United States. Uh, we have an oligarchy, and we're not setting up a democracy in Ukraine. We are using Ukraine to fight a proxy war against Russia. And then they just laugh. Or then you bring up the fact that there was a coup that Obama supported in 2014 uh, because they didn't like the fact that the president uh, at the time of Ukraine was trying to uh, come to an agreement with Russia and be neutral. And that's what people need to understand. Russia is asking for neutrality. That's all they want is a, is a neutral Ukraine, and they want the 14,000 people who, who are Russian-speaking that have been murdered in the Donbass in the last eight years. They want Ukrainian peop- the, the Ukraine government and the, and the neo-Nazi battalion to stop murdering people in the Donbass, which has been happening since 2014. You didn't hear any liberals be upset about that. So this whole thing, there's so much propaganda where two years ago the New York Times was writing about the far-right uprising in Ukraine and the neo-Nazi Azov battalion, and now – the, the corporate media is writing about, oh, we're bringing democracy to Ukraine. So it just – it blows my mind how effective the Democrats are at, at propagandizing their liberal base and then now using all of our tax dollars to go fund this proxy war and, and ignore our own problems here. And what's going to happen is as the material conditions of the people get so bad – and you alluded to this earlier, Josana – the reason people gravitate towards authoritarians, towards people like Donald Trump, is because they're looking for a savior. It doesn't make sense to liberals because they're in their little comfortable bubble. They've got health care. They've got a good job, right? But people who need a living wage, who need health care, who are at the margins and who are like struggling just to survive in this country, and the Democrats year after year, decade after decade, broken promise after broken promise, and, and, and aren't doing anything for them, people know that, especially working class people who saw, you know, Bill Clinton sign NAFTA and ship jobs overseas. So my point is, is all the Democrats are doing is they are literally paving out the red carpet, paving the way for Republicans to take back power because of their failure to deliver for people at the margins and for working class people. And people can see through this. So that to me is what's so sad is that all of this failure for the Democrats to lead is just going to lead people deeper to, to vote for another authoritarian. And we're going to be caught in this cycle until we can finally break free of it and, and get into mutual aid and education and, and, and liberate ourselves from this corrupt system. Or that, sorry, because like the latest, um, intergovernmental panel of on climate change the latest right. news is that we have three years so like it's not like scientists are not going and i believe in science scientists are not going out there and be like we have three years just to make us afraid and do not buy plastic bottles of water it's another situation in the end i have a video i can i can send you the link in the end of the video that man says but wh- okay so what is the biggest problem and then the, the guy says like agriculture and extraction so like you have imperialism right now promoting the genocide of forest protectors in brazil the yanomami people the patasha people every single 
native nation, sorry, every, every single indigenous nation is suffering a genocide right now in Brazil because they protect the forest. They protect the biggest part of the Amazon rainforest, rainforest which is the legal Amazon. They are there dying and, and being tortured by miners. They're authorized because people in the U.S. need to have that ring. Right. Like, if you want to be anti-imperialist and anti-imperialistic and anti-capitalist, just change your habits. It start with you. Like, send your money if you can towards the global south. Like aid, send it towards aid and towards your neighbor too, and of course yourself first. You always put your oxygen mask first, and then you help the next. But do it. Do help and do support and do connect. Use social media to connect to people around the world, especially in the global south, so you can understand. Like when Israel comes out and says, we're not going to investigate the murder of, um, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Shireen. We're not going to investigate her murder. And we're just going to sit here and be the bosses we are. So see that and be shocked. But you've got to act too. We've got to act like in the U.S., we need to push for electoral system reform. There is no way that you can have freedom here if you don't have electoral system reform. And how can we get there? Is with a general strike. Right. But our leaders have to be, they are not leaders, but the voices there are louder, have to stop being co-opted. And the problem with the co-optation in the left that happens here, if this country ever had a left, I mean, they had with the Black Panthers Party, but they were killed and assassinated. Um, you have to work to not be co-opted, yep. to be principled, like the, the, the leaders in the unions and, and, and workers' movement, they have to be, this is what I meant, and this is what I want. doesn't matter where you invite me to go. I am this person, and that's what I advocate for, and that's what I'm going to do. But the need for the hero has another problem. You can pick a fascist because he's going to come up and he's going to say, I am going to lift this country up. I am going to be able to bring back the pride of being a person from the U.S. And because he's a fascist, he's going to say, I will lift up the pride. I will bring back the pride of being an American. These were sentences that Hitler was using, right? The, the pride of the German people is in, like, you get a people that are decimated and, and lost the war. And that's what's going to happen here because the empire is drying itself up by imposing the style of, of life that we, we are having here right now. I always feel like this country right now sounds very much like the Brazil was growing up in, which was the Brazil um, after uh, military government and starting to build itself and starting to have a constitution that's coming from 1988. Our constitution is that young. And we were like starting, but also not starting because to, to be quote unquote free and free of the military government, we had to, to accept the, IMF, um, IMF has a program, which is a program to like um, restructure the country 
and they used to make the third world countries in debt with the IMF. So that program, what it does is to privatize the economies in these countries. And then you get, you don't have no state power, no sovereignty, because everything that operates in your country is private. And I'm going to go further and say that this is the model in the U.S., what is the, the, the meaning of the word public in this country? It doesn't exist. There's nothing public. If because banks, banks own everything and they own all of us. Yeah, yeah. If there was such a thing, And they own our government. I mean, our, our government is not, you know, our government is owned by the banks as well. You don't have anti-corruption laws that says, like, if a politician is having lunch with Jeff Bezos, they are going to be in trouble. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it, no. Because and, and how do we get those laws? Because both parties are so corrupt, they're not going to reform the system that makes them rich. And that's where you said we have to strike. We have to fight back. Um, you know, we have to we have to mobilize. Um, and with the corrupt, that's the co-option of the left here, I think, is a huge problem. I mean, it has been six years since Bernie's 2016 campaign. It's been four years since AOC and the squad were elected. And the Democratic Party has not moved left at all. Like when it comes to the policies Bernie and AOC were fighting for that were very basic policies that they have in other countries like a living wage, Medicare for all, uh, debt cancellation, um, you know, it, the, the Democratic Party has not moved closer to those policies. And, and it remains a capitalist party. It remains an imperialist party that exists to serve Wall Street and crush dissent and, and get the people to obey our corrupt system. So what do you see as a path forward, Josana? Like, do you see a path forward in the Democratic Party or does or, or do you not see a path forward? Like, how oh, do we no. get these reforms we need? Oh, no, there's no path forward, forward uh, within the Democratic Party. No, not not in my opinion. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's I mean, I my opinion. I I really don't see like when I it's so funny because it's always like my perspective is some, like I feel like I'm like a child and I'm learning everything new like by the minute I was like so one vote one person is not one vote and they were like no and I was like damn but how can they keep on like doing that and y'all don't push for electoral reform like it's one person one vote there's no such a thing as the government and the the the, the states that have more corporations that inject more money having weight and decisions it's insane like they can change the results in a, like snap of the fingers it's everything outside of the hands of the people the only solution here is the seizing of the means of production and i know when i speak revolutionary language it's very scary because people put me in a uniform and give me a cigar and i become fidel well, at least Cuba is thriving because the propaganda that people in Cuba are suffering and they hate it. This is Guzano propaganda. That that's not like yeah. These are, this is the best one of the things that I say that to make my friends feel like and it kind of clicks on them, especially more of my liberal friends. I say to them very simply, I'm like, look, right now, Democrats and and even someone like Bernie and AOC, they're not fighting for socialism. They're fighting for basically liberalism. You could call it social democracy, right? Where they they they're capitalists. They just want strong social reforms to basically balance out capitalism. And so right now, you have maybe a handful. You could say they're fighting for social democracy. They're not fighting for socialism. And what do we end up with? We're not getting social democracy, right? We're still in this oligarchy. We're in this decrepit capitalist and imperialist system. So if we fight for Marxism, if we actually fight for real revolutionary socialism, I guarantee you we're going to get to 
something like social democracy a lot quicker, right? Because it's going to start to actually terrify the, the, the ruling class. Right now, the ruling class, the politicians, both of these parties, they are not scared of the people at all. And they're definitely not afraid of liberals because look, like we talked about in the show tonight, how easy the Democrats can get liberals to obey by just literally having an interview on a Rachel Maddow show and they will all change their profile picture. I mean, as much as I disagree with conservatives, I'm pretty much everything. I, although I will say I like to see that more and more conservatives are becoming anti-war. I, I definitely disagree with, with conservatives on economics. But I do think like sometimes I'll see, even though I disagree with them on the issues, when Trump doesn't does something they don't like, they're like, oh, fuck you, Trump. Like they'll tell Trump to fuck off. I've never once heard a liberal, like a real liberal, tell Nancy Pelosi to fuck off or Joe Biden to fuck off or Hillary Clinton to fuck off or Barack Obama to fuck off. They literally like that's why it was so funny to me when I supported Bernie. Like they were saying, oh, you, you know, you're such a cult supporter. You worship Bernie. I'm like, have you heard about the way you guys talk about Obama? <laughs> like for me, it's the liberals. They're so like they don't know this. And when I used to be a liberal, I didn't see it. But they're they're authoritarian in the sense of like they don't think for themselves. What they only see what Rachel Maddow and the DNC tells them to see. You know, they don't that. And so that for me is like, how are we going to get these people to ever think critically, to ever challenge the Democratic Party, to ever get the Democratic Party to reform itself? When they just repeat what the rulers of the Democratic Party say and they take it, take fact for what the de- rulers of the Democratic Party say. And the rulers of the Democratic Party, the Barack Obamas, the Pete Buttigiegs, uh, you know, the Kamala Harris's of the world, they don't want any reform of the party. That's their job is to literally go out there and be a puppet for the DNC so the DNC can protect its corporate donors. That's what it wants. And that's why the DNC fought harder against Bernie than they ever fought against Trump. And what's pathetic about that is Bernie was not even fighting for socialism. He was fighting for like watered down social democracy. He was fighting so we could have health care and a little bit more dignity for poor people in this country. And the Democratic Party was like, nope, you can't have that. So like, how the fuck are we ever going to get change in this party when they're telling us loudly and clearly to the Democrats that they don't want to be a left party? They don't want social democracy. Forget about it. So that's why I think if, well, if we fight for socialism, if we fight for communism, that's going to get these, that's going to scare these people. And it's going to get us a lot closer to liberation than fighting for this watered down shit that, that AOC and Bernie are fighting for now. And honestly, let's just be frank. They're not even fighting. I mean, I've seen a total capitulation from the entire quote unquote squad and progressives and even Bernie now, like where Bernie voted for the 40 billion. He did. He voted for the for the to continue to fund the proxy war. Absolutely yeah. shameful. Yeah. I, w- w- AOC and the squad. When is one time they pushed back against Biden? They haven't. The AOC said that Biden's exceeding expectations. And Pramila Jayapal said that she gave him an A plus. Like, don't even get me started. There is no progressive in the Democratic Party. They literally like they were supposed to fight back against the corrupt establishment. Instead, they joined the establishment. And, and, and it's disgusting to me. And yet you still have people online who worship the ground that these people walk on and they worship Bernie and AOC. And I, people like me who will like just be like, why aren't AOC, why aren't they fighting for the policies they campaigned on? I am like a traitor and I'm this terrible person. Like, and so if people have no principles, like you said, Josana, and they won't actually hold these, the, the Democrats accountable, no, you can't change that. Because this is mob rule. This is, this is not a progressive movement. It's a cult of personality movement that's centered around these personalities. And AOC just got engaged yesterday and you just see the chatter is all about, oh my God, she's getting engaged. Like they treat her like a celebrity. That's what she is. She's a celebrity. 
this is not how we're going to get the reforms we need for the poor and working class and black and brown people in this country. This is a fucking clown show. And, and no. now the progressives who are supposed to fight for us, they're, they're, they're part of the clown show. It's disgusting to me. Yeah, don't, don't even get me started in celebrity culture. Um, as yeah. an artist, I see the lack of opportunity here because of the, of the gatekeeper that says it's only art if it's coming from mainstream. If, um, if it's something that we saw a lot and we bought a lot and we sold a lot about it. And also, it, it, it creates that weird relationship where you destroy art, right? You're attacking education. Art is the most pure manifestation of the human being, being uh, when they observe the environment where they live. So they produce art. And then you, you, you distort that concept and you create the celebrity culture where you're going to create um, a whatever general capitalist room where just a few people will have access to it. But that comes also from the need of the savior. That's all based on that. I remember when George W. Bush, um, he used to like condemn, and I have a friend, she's a scientist, and she researches um, stem cells, and she's forbidden to enter the U.S. Um, and he used to make like religious um, speech on that. Oh, stem cells, the, 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 the embryos, like you're taking the stem cells, you're killing the baby, you're killing the life. And like Jesus, blah, blah. And, and, and to be quite honest, it's, it's, it's just so sad to see how this control over the brains of the people work. But I think, it's not like a solution is like never getting tired, tired of having these conversations because you become that friend that no one wants to bring to the party. You become that person. <laughs> oh, come on. Come, here comes Ryer again. Yeah. Oh, you're too, I, 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 you're too depressing. This is just too depressing. I'm like, well, if you don't want to accept reality for what reality is, then how are we ever going to build a better reality? I mean, that's really the problem. Like while, while so many people are in denial about what the democratic party is, who it works for, that it doesn't work for the people. Like how are we ever going to get to a government that works for the people? If millions and millions of, of people think that the Democrats are working for us. Like, I mean, and that really blows my mind that here we are two years into a Biden presidency. Nothing has gotten better for the people or the planet. Things have actually gotten worse. You know, we've got the cost of living in this country has just soared. You know, record inflation, record gas prices, wages aren't keeping up with the cost of living. So you've got half the country that's literally living below the margins, struggling. And then you've got liberals right now on Twitter every day saying, oh, no, it doesn't matter that, that Biden and, and, and the Democrats have full control of the government right now and aren't fighting for us. The solution is we just need to keep voting for them. Like, how fucking insane do you have to be to think that the solution is to keep voting for the party that has power right now and isn't fighting for us, isn't using their power to actually fight for the people? Why would you keep voting for them? And why would the Democrats ever represent you and fight for you if you're just going to vote for them no matter what? You're literally, when, you, when people say things like vote blue no matter who, they're literally giving Democrats permission to say, oh, thank you very much for your vote. Now I don't have to do a fucking thing for you. You are literally giving Democrats the permission to abuse you by telling them that they don't have to do anything to earn your vote.
by giving all your power away. And even though we do live in this oligarchy, there is a little bit of power left. And that's why for the first time in my life, I said fuck you to the Democratic Party in the 2020 general election after I voted for Bernie in the primary. And I voted for the Green Party for the first time. And now I'm like, I don't know who I'll, I'm definitely going to vote third party going forward. Um, and I would love to see a third party being able to unite all of us and bring all of us under, you know, under, uh, you know, to fight for a system that can deliver dignity and justice to all people and fight back against these two corrupt parties. I would love to see a big movement like that, a movement similar to Bernie's, but instead of filtering it into a dead end, which is the capitalist party, which is the Democrats, actually filtering it, it, it having it be independent and having it be a, a political uh, vehicle that instead of uh, apologizing to power and being co-opted by the Democrats, it's challenging the Democrats and the Republicans and exposing their corruption, exposing that they don't work for the people, and getting laws in place that actually are for the people and not for these for for big business. I think that's the only path we have. It has to be independent. If it runs I, through either of these parties, it is going to just be the same thing we've always had, which is an oligarchy that that works for the one percent and isn't working for the ninety nine percent. Ryan, I, I have to just like be Debbie Downer and say that, and that will make me persona non grata, but I don't, I don't think the answer is on third party. And I know I, and I'm going to develop on that. It's just that. Oh, I hear you. There is, yeah. There is like, there is this say on the Somali revolution in the seventies that if you know, teach, if you don't know, learn. <laughs> like we have to be open to learn and look back, as you said in the beginning, look to the global south and learn with these people because we we conquered we did revolutions we had we had to radicalize ourselves and fight against the system that oppresses us every day and keeps on oppressing and i think when you say like how can we push reform how can we push electoral reform which i think is the only solution for the us i mean my solution is like overthrow the government and burn it down but a rational solution that it will be more um, suitable for Americans is to push for electoral reform. And how can we do that? Well, the machine is proven to us. The war machine, the capitalist machine, the white supremacist machine has proven to us that needs our energy and our work. So the power is in our hands because we are the working force. Because in the U.S., to be able to survive, you have to do work to be able to eat, right? So the solution is in stop working in an organized way so you can achieve general strike. The machine will stop the day that the people in the U.S. stop. Yep. Well, and the they billionaires don't get their profits if the workers aren't working. So that's yeah, the only way to get the billionaires to, to pay us. attention. Yeah. They're going to have to ask us for the solution. They're going to fear us. And it's, it's, it's that sensation of like, I know it's scary as hell, but I have to. The Americans, the people from the United States of America have to be the class traders in the world struggle. Hmm. All of y'all have to be the class traders. You have to stop your own little privileges that look like privilege and that actually are not. There is slavery. And then you have to like, I am not going to do this. I am just not. It's disobedience. Disobedience is revolutionary per se. You can just sit at home. You can just not pay your student loan debt. But we have to do that as a collective. 
We all have to do that. It doesn't matter anymore. It's a matter of survival. Yep. It's not a and matter I, when of I say third party, I, I don't think that I agree with you. I think it has like I I believe in in organizing uh, a general strike, collective efforts to uh, get the the I mean to. I mean, the, the, because at the end of the day, the, the American worker does control the economy. The billionaire class thinks they control the economy. But the moment the American worker sees how much power that the entire working class sees how much power they have, they can make we can make all this corruption stop because it's the labor of the people that keeps the, the economy running. And, and that's why I mean, the billionaires, that's why they're so against labor unions. They're against any kind of organization that gives more power to the collective. So I absolutely agree with you. I think we need to have everything on the table. I think it's like but the only reason I, I would say, like, to educate more people is, you know, if, if, if any kind of third party wants to educate about this kind of stuff, wants to educate about strikes, wants to educate about building power, I think doing it in tandem. But I agree with you that nothing going to change. We're not going to get the reforms we need. Uh, we're not going to be able to rewrite the, the corrupt laws that are in place that, that have enshrined this corporate greed until we have a mass movement in the streets of everyday people coming together and fighting for dignity and justice for all and fighting for health care for all and fighting for living wages for all and fighting, like you said in the beginning of the show, for communities, for a society that is organized around the collective and around the community and not around the greed uh, of the billionaire class. Um, I just looked at the time. It is getting there. We are at, a, at an hour and a half. Do we have any other questions from uh, I have any question of our listeners? I very much would like to Get ask, it, Rob. That's okay. Um, I recently read that I believe it was Lula and, and he was talking uh, with a couple other countries in Latin America about developing um, a form of currency, like a Latin American currency. And so I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on like the global south uh, working with China? I know the, the Belt and Road Initiative China's been working with countries in Latin America and throughout Africa. Uh, what are ways, with, especially though within Latin America, that we're, we're going to be able to see countries banding together to push back against not only U.S. imperialism but U.S. hegemony? Um, like you mentioned earlier about IMF loans. The IMF is, was created in quote to repair war-torn Europe, but essentially it was created um, to, to have countries, the elite quote elite countries of the world – um, use their financial leverage to get countries when they were down, when they were poor, when they needed money to help rebuild. They needed money so their people didn't starve in mass, and then they'd have these countries um, kind of by the balls, and, and they had nowhere to go. So I know that with the United States, they tried to kick Russia out of SWIFT. Uh, China's working on an alternative um, system uh, for international banking. Um, and, you know, my dad's from Nicaragua. And I have family mm -hmm. there, a country that has had sanctions enacted on it. We've seen multiple coup attempts. We've seen the, the Contras go in and absolutely just brutalize and murder um, civilians within the country. And so I'm always wondering when it comes to like global solidarity, is there something that's going on that's giving you hope that makes it feel like, yes, the U.S. is not only losing power with some of its um, – financial ties in Europe, but also that a lot of the countries in which they had previously relied on narco regimes in Colombia um, are starting to kind of fall to the wayside. And we're seeing uh, a global movement in, the, in Latin America towards socialism and, and communism. Yes, um, I think that the, you see, like a blessing in disguise was the Coup d'etats in the 70s, in the 60s, early 60s, um, with the military government all over South America. The reason why I'm saying that is that we said these lives weren't take, 
taken in vain. You know, like we would not let these people die for no cause. We will keep on trying. So you can always uh, elect comrades, but there it's one person, one vote. And when comrades are in place, they try to like uh, implement the most socialist um, type of governments. Like you have the example of Pepe Mujica in Uruguay. Like, I mean, if you want to learn how to build revolutionary, just watch that man. Like th this is the poorest president in the whole world. He never enriched himself. And he was a president from, for Uruguay for years, right? And Lula, yes, Lula is talking about, because like Lula was arrested, Lula was persecuted like a political prisoner. He was lied on. And, and now he comes with more political strength to be this figure that's going to face imperialism and create the Latin American bloc. The, the idea of the bloc is a, is a no dream from the revolution, um, from the revolutionaries to unite as a bloc and like that be strong enough enough so we had to make ties with africa too countries in africa like ethiopia and and south south africa so we were able to like have a a strong movement and that's the reason why we keep on getting beat on like that's the reason why we also keep on getting invaded it's not just our natural resources it's our is our strength And strong people are sovereign, and that threatens the empire. And what I would like to see is a movement that is strong in its own, and meaning together also with Africa, but also not depending on another power like we did in the times of the Cold War. You, get, you had to have a savior. Or Russia, or USSR, or the US. So we need to be to see ourselves as a powerful block that can also dictate rules. Because the chaos is on in this transitional moment in the world. Like the empire is falling. Um, there is another possible empire rising, and there is a, there will be a new world order. And that's the time for people to rise together and the new world order be of the people for the people from the people to the people right yep. so yes and i i truly believe in that pan-african unity is the way is the way of strengthening the global south it's pan-african and indigenous unity and i think that's how and and in my opinion we should give like also hold hands with our brothers and sisters in the north in order to strengthen and bring on this new world order. That is so beautifully said. And a new world order of, of by, and for the people. Uh, we where corrupt governments and, and corporations are not uh, repressing us and controlling us and pitting us against each other uh, to enrich themselves. Uh, this has been a very enlightening conversation. I think we have, oh, there's one caller. Rob, do you want to get that caller? And then we'll start to wrap up. This has been awesome. Uh, Betty, if you just go ahead and unmute yourself, you can uh, provide your little comment or ask a question to Josana, please. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Uh, so. Oh, shoot. I think we just lost Betty. Let me try to. 
Sorry about that. I think the app is having a little technical difficulties. Where did Betty go? Betty, do you want to enter the queue again and then uh, unmute yourself and join the conversation? I think they're having connection problems. Yeah, I think they're having connection problems. Um, well, we're at an hour and 40 minutes. We've kept you a long time, Josana. Uh, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for uh, educating and, and for uh, all your insight. I, I admire you. I look up to you. Thank you for your spirit. Uh, okay. How can people follow you and, and follow your work just so they can, you know, they can keep up with, with the stuff you're doing? Um, I just want to first uh, thank you so much, Ryan, Rob, for having me here and everybody in the room. Thank you so much for staying here with us. Um, I want to thank also my teachers, my Pan-African family. Um, Malik he has a channel called Africa, Africa. If you want to support, he's a teacher for excellence. He's from Senegal. Um, Amira and uh, Kitty. And Karanja, I love you all. Thank you so much for all the teachings. And also Mustafa, these are the people that were teaching me about the conflict and their views on the conflict because you can never know the conflict by, from somebody that says, oh, I'm, I am specified in South America, like so many people here in the U.S., so many journalists. Oh, I am specified. Yeah, you are. But are you there living this struggle, right? Right. Um, hear from these people. Always hear and support these people. They have voices that need to be heard. Um, just follow RBN, subscribe. Um, I'm always there. My, that's I, Revolutionary yeah. Blackout Network. They are amazing. Yes. Uh, that's Josana and Nick and so many uh, different voices. Uh, they're all black socialists and leftists, and they provide such an important uh, dialogue in, in our politics. Uh, you guys provide commentary that you will never see on MSNBC or Fox News uh, or anywhere else. I mean, you guys have such a unique voice, and I, I just admire your guys' work so much. So, yes, Revolutionary I, Blackout Network. Uh, I think you guys also have a, a channel on Colin, so everyone should subscribe to that as well. We do, we do. And and they are beautiful enough and crazy enough to have me there and give me the platform, and I try to bring these voices up all the time, all the chance I have. Me and Nick have a segment on Tuesdays, 9 p.m., Eastern time and also just go if you want to support go to imtita.org and learn about the anglophone crisis and about Tita Jr. Tita Smith Jr. He is not only a teacher, he's a philosopher and he's being directly affected by imperialism and the anglophone crisis that has killed 1.3 million people so far mm. in Africa. Yeah, so just go there in the website, see ways that you can support it. What was that? Was I, it was what was the website again? I am Tita. It's I am and T I T A dot org. Beautiful. And yeah, and support as you can and get to learn learn about what the U.S. is doing to the global South, to the rest of the world. Like that, you're going to start opening space in your heart to develop empathy. And to understand that when you were fighting for your own rights in the U.S. soil, you were fighting for the world, right? Mm. And yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Josana. I hope everyone has a great weekend. And uh, we will catch you next week with another episode of Unruly. Thank you so much.